Thank you for tuning in to this week's podcast from Discovery Church. Our hope is that this message would help you seek truth and find purpose. If you would like to know more about Discovery Church, please check us out online at mydiscoverychurch.ca. With that said, let's go to this week's message. Last week we started a series called Well Dwellers, and I thought it would be cool to look at uh, four characters in the Bible uh, that had encounters at a well. So it's four weeks. Uh, this is our second week. If you're taking notes and you're kind of like, I need to know what, how many weeks? This four, it's a four-week series called Well Dwellers, and it's, it's about characters that in, in encounters at wells. And last week we looked at uh, the woman at the well, which was probably the, the greatest encounter in Scripture uh, of, of somebody uh, being at a well. And we, we learned that, that no matter what has happened in our life that Jesus still pursues us, that he still follows us, he still, he still makes a way for us to come in a relationship with him. And uh, something I didn't mention last week, it's really cool that uh, here, is, here is a woman who uh, has been through five husbands, living with a man uh, that's not her own, uh, outcast by all the other ladies, and, and going to the well by herself. And here is Jesus encountering this lady, breaking... breaking um, uh, cultural rules, breaking religious rules to meet her. But then, but not only that, the longest conversation recorded in scripture from Jesus with an individual is this very story of the woman at the well, which was really cool. Everybody else outcasts her, and we read a story, and, and Jesus spent the most time with her. I, I think that's a, maybe something that we could take to heart, being like, who is outcast? In our lives, who do who who is who is the people that are we feel us so far away from Jesus? That might be where Jesus actually is moving the most. And today we want to we want to flip right to the beginning of the Bible in in the second book we were in John last week. We want to go right to Exodus and we want to look at Moses. And Moses had an, had a, a short encounter at a well, and it's not as as radical as the woman at the well. And part of it is because just after this encounter is uh, the moment where Moses uh, encounters God at a burning bush, and one of the greatest encounters that God has ever uh, come came and meet, met with humanity. Uh, so sometimes it's overlooked. But as I was reading and looking at different well encounters, I was like, I think there's some, there's some nuggets of truth in there that could radically, radically change our lives today as we uh, leave this morning. So before I start, though, I need to give a little bit of background on who Moses was. Moses grew up uh, as an Egyptian prince, but he wasn't always an Egyptian prince. He grew up in a time where Hebrews were enslaved to the Egyptians, and uh, he was actually born to a Hebrew mother. And what was happening is that the Hebrews were having more children than what the Egyptians were. And Pharaoh was really, really concerned that they were having more baby boys. And in, in 15, 20 years, what will happen is that men will be men. And there will be more Hebrew men than Egyptian men. And the Hebrews men would, would uprise against the Egyptian men and, and have this, this like tension. And maybe they wouldn't have them as slaves anymore because they would have enough power to overpower the Egyptians. So a Pharaoh's solution to this was a little bit barbaric. But he decided, you know what, every baby boy under the age of two, we're just going to slaughter them. We're going to kill them. So they went throughout uh, all the slaves of, of, of the Jews and killed every baby boy. And uh, Moses' mom did not want to see Moses killed. So she was 
she would rather do without Moses than to see him be killed. So she made this basket, put Moses into a basket, sent him down the Nile River. And you may, if you watch the Prince of Egypt, uh, Disney animation, you, might, may, you may know this story. And put him in a basket, sent him down. And, and the story says a Pharaoh's daughter found Moses floating in the river. So Pharaoh's daughter, now an Egyptian, brings this baby boy into her life, raises Moses, raises Moses as an Egyptian for 40 years. For 40 years, Moses grows up thinking that he's an Egyptian. And some point, some point there, he comes to know the truth that he's actually a Hebrew. I don't know if you've ever been somewhere where you've, been, where, where you've pursued something or, or you maybe you're adopted at a young age and you didn't find out till later in your life and you felt like your whole life was just a complete lie or whatever you pursued so hard and you got there and it wasn't what it was like and you just felt like this huge failure. I can sort of put myself in with Moses and be like, what would I feel like if I lived 40 years of my life and then one day all of a sudden I felt like my last 40 years, everything that I had done didn't, didn't matter anymore. Every, every dream that I had, every pursuit that I had, Every, every book that I read, everything that I'd done just, just didn't seem to matter because I felt like I lived a lie. And that's where Moses was. And that's where we want to pick up the story this, this morning. And it's in Exodus 2, starting at verse 11. And it says, In the course of time, Moses grew up. Then he went to see his own people and watched them suffering under forced labor. He saw a Hebrew, one of his own people, being beaten by an Egyptian. He, took, he looked all around. And when, when he didn't see anyone, he beat the Egyptian to death and hid the body in the sand. When Moses went there the next day, he saw two Hebrew men fighting. He asked the one who started the fight, why are you beating another Hebrew? The man asked, who are you or who made you our ruler and judge? Are you going to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought that everyone knew what he had done. When Pharaoh heard what Moses had done, he tried to have him killed. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and settled in the land of Midian. And here comes a well encounter. One day while Moses was sitting by a well, here is Moses fleeing for his life after killing somebody. His, his, the Pharaoh of the land was, was wanting to kill him. And here he is fleeing for his life. And we see him sitting by a well. I don't know about you, but I am so thankful that even in my running, even in my, in my trying to escape my life at times, that God still finds me where I am. That God still pursues me. I remember uh, 2000, year 2000, uh, grade 11, and uh, grew up in a Christian home. It was grade 10, grade 11, that I, I started to experiment with, with uh with things that I probably shouldn't have, pursuing relationships that weren't godly. And I remember uh, growing up in a Christian home, and it was the first year. I don't know if anybody knows of what YC is, but YC is one of the, the biggest youth conferences, in, in, is the biggest youth conference in our, in our country. And it used to have a part in, in Newfoundland uh, that was YC Newfoundland. I remember it being the very first year, and my mom signed me up. I'm like, sure. And, and so me and a few of my friends went, and for the whole weekend, it was Thanksgiving weekend, and for the whole weekend, I didn't pay attention. I was more consumed in the relationships that I had and, and talking and not really paying attention. And it was Sunday night, and for two 
minutes on a Sunday night, I decided that I, paid, I was going to pay attention. And guess what? In those two minutes, God found me where I was at. And at that very moment, I made a decision to either follow Christ with, with everything or to, to just run away. And I'm so glad that in those two minutes that I listened to Judah Smith speak on, on the stage of YC Newfoundland that I decided to recommit my life to Jesus and the relationships and everything that I pursued in everything in my running that God still met me at my well experience. That so many times, uh, we talked about last week, that we talk about how we found Jesus. And there's a reality that we, it, might be, it might feel like we found something. The reality is that Jesus finds us. That God is pursuing us. If, if, no matter where you are today, no matter where you're running. I don't know, I don't think anybody here is a murderer. If you are, you don't need to put up your hand. Um, but, but, but we all have stuff in our lives that we're not proud of. Here is Moses running away in this lowest, probably in this lowest moment. God comes and decides to find him. And let's, let's continue reading here. It says, One day while Moses was sitting by a well, seven daughters of the priest of Midian came. They drew water and filled their troughs uh, to water their father's sheep. But some shepherds, those stinking shepherds, uh, but some shepherds came and chased them away. So Moses got up, came to their defense, and then watered their sheep. I think Moses teaches us a lesson here that is so crucial for us today. Moses got up, came to their defense, and then watered their sheep. Moses could have sat by the well and sat down and seen this happening, shepherds pestering these, these ladies, and he could have said, you know what? My issue is bigger than their issue. Here I am fleeing for my life. Here I, you know what? You guys deal with it. This probably happens every day. I'm just going to wallow in my pity. But Moses didn't do that. And lots of times we get so consumed in, in our lives and what, what, what's not working in our lives that we miss the opportunity that God puts right in front of us. But Moses didn't miss an opportunity. Even in all of his distress, even in all of his running, even in escaping his life, he helped them out. And I believe that a pathway to God's heart is by helping out the distressed. There's people in our lives that have it worse than we do, and, and maybe in them, they may look like everything is going together, but who in our lives have distressed. It says in, in James 1.27, religion that God our Father accepts as pure joy and flawless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress. Just reflect for a moment. Who in your life is distressed that you can help out? You're like, uh, you're speaking and there's nobody. I want to I give you a little bit of an encouragement that if you're a part of Discovery Church, you help out distressed people often. Just last, last yesterday, I was, I was talking to somebody that's a part of our church and uh, they had a friend that their house burnt down Friday night. And, uh, and as a church, we, we want to we be the hands and feet of Jesus and we want to look for opportunities. And when we hear of opportunities, we want to act. So I, I, I called her and asked her, I was like, what can we do? Um, and, 
we actually were able to help them get some, get some food and get some, get some uh, supplies that they needed for the next few days. Just because maybe you're here and you, you give every week or, you, or you, you tithe here or you give some extra money. Guess what? That helps us go out and do things for people that are in distress. That helps us be the hands and feet of Jesus. It was just before Christmas, I was made aware of a, of a, uh, of a gentleman who came home from or his dad's funeral. He came home from a, a family funeral and um, he came into his house and everything was gone. There wasn't anything in his home. And I, I uh, sent out a, an email to our dream team uh, and I just said, hey, this is a situation. Does anybody have a, a bed, some clothes, some, some kids' toys? And, and in a matter of two hours, literally I was bringing a truckload of stuff to this guy's house and from having nothing in his home, he actually was able to get through a few days. Or just before Christmas as well, we were part of, part of Samaritan's Purse. And uh, we were able to pack uh, 54 shoeboxes, I think it was, um, to, to send overseas. But we were a part of a bigger campaign that's seen 11 million, 11 million shoeboxes sent throughout the world to help children and, and families that are in distress. And we're a part of that. We're being the hands and feet of Jesus. That's good. That's 11 million children in our world that now has a toy, that has some school supplies, that has some clothes, that has some uh, daily living, that, uh, daily supplies that now are not living in as much distress. I think that God tells us many times throughout Scripture that a pathway to his heart is taking care of the distressed. And I also think in this part, he tells us that in our lowest moments, he's going to give us opportunities. You may have been here when I shared uh, a couple months ago. It was a Saturday, and I was just having one of those days. You know, sometimes you have a day where you just don't, you, you just don't feel on top of your game. If you could be honest, you feel like God's so far away. You feel like you're a complete mess up. You, you, just, you just want to go off in a corner and you just want to stay there. You just, that's just what you want to do. You want to remove yourself and you just feel like you're a complete failure. Well, I was having one of those days. And uh, I remember I was selling some stuff on Kijiji. And guess what? In one of my lowest moments, uh, a guy wants to decide to come and buy some sound equipment from Kijiji. I'm like, sure, why not? He comes into my garage. We look it up and we start talking about the sound equipment. And God gives me an opportunity to speak, speak life into this gentleman. What I was hoping would be, do you want it, do you not, just go home, turns into an hour and a half conversation about my faith. That in my lowest, one of my lowest moments that I felt, here is God giving opportunities. And I feel like this is what Moses is, is God is telling us in this passage is that, you know what, we, we, some of us are mess ups. All of us are mess ups. Let's be honest. There's things in our life that we're not proud of and that, that in our, even in our running, that God wants to give us opportunities to share our faith. That God doesn't disqualify us disqualify us, even though lots of times we disqualify ourselves. We keep reading. It says, when they came back to their father, rural, he asked them, why have you come home so early today? They answered, an Egyptian rescued us from, from some shepherds. He even drew water for us and watered the sheep. Rural asked his daughters, where is he? Why did you have or why, why, why did you leave the man there? Go invite him for supper. When we reach out to distressed in our lives, when we reach out to people that are less fortunate, when we reach, reach out, when we just reach out to people, guess what? 
God's going to bring us favor into people's lives. And, it, and, and what's going to happen is that not only are we going to want to be a part of their lives, guess what? Their families are going to invite us into theirs. And lots of times there are people that, that don't know Jesus, that if we just invest a little bit of our time, we don't even need to do that. We don't even need to do the work. Last time we're like, how do I share about Jesus? Just invest into someone's life. They will welcome you in. They will welcome us into their lives. And, and this, is, this is my challenge today, is that Easter is one month away. One of the greatest holidays that we are still able to celebrate, thank, thank the Lord that our, our Canadian culture, that our Canadian country still allows us to celebrate Easter. Um, but one of the, who in your life can you invest in to a point of a, they allowing you to come in, allowing you to, to be a part of their lives, that you can say, hey, why don't you come? Why don't you come to Easter at the Wreck with me? So the reality of it is, yeah, there, there are poor people around. There are people that are less fortunate. There are, there are people, uh, there, are, there are orphans. There are people that are living in group homes, people that don't have any family. There are people, and that might be some of you in here, but there are other people that are living in distress and don't even know it because they don't know Jesus Christ. And there's one thing to be without food for a meal. And there's one thing to be without a car or there's another one thing to be without a roof over your head. And those are less, those are unfortunate. And we need to do something uh, to help individuals when they're down and out. But you can have all that stuff and not have Jesus and you're still the poorest person in the world. And we exist at Discovery Church so people can come rich in Jesus Christ. So who in your life do you need to invest in so you will have the opportunity to love on them and allow God to come into their lives? We've said it often that, you know what, we can't make people follow Jesus. We can't make people choose Jesus, but we can set up dates for them to encounter Jesus. And we believe that if somebody can just taste a little bit of who Jesus is, it might not be that very moment that somebody will come into faith, but there will be a moment of taking a step. And another step will lead to another step, and another step will lead to another step. And we allow God to do his thing, and we just love people that we help people out in distress. Thanks for taking time to listen to this week's message from Discovery Church. If this ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love to hear about it. Please email us at info at mydiscoverychurch.ca.